Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Amen and amen. All right, you ready for the Word today? Uh, we are at a part of David's life that I, um, I kind of hate this part. It's, a, it's like a double-edged sword. Um, it's a warning for many of us, but it also is a, is a story of encouragement. If we have failed, it's when David failed. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I want to title this today, Failure is Not Final. Failure is not final. How many believe that? <laughs> How many with me today? That's some good news. Failure is not final. So first of all, Father, we thank you for your word today, and I do pray over the next few minutes, this part of David's life you have left in the Bible. You didn't hide it, you didn't delete it, but you left it there. God, I pray that this word will minister to everyone listening to this today, that we would learn from David's mistakes. And Father, those of us that, Lord, none of us are perfect, and I pray, God, if there's someone, Lord, that is struggling with something in their past or a failure in their life, God, that they would find out how to get their fire back, God, and let them be encouraged by the end of this story. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, I hated this part of, this, of the series. Ever since I started preaching on David, I wondered what was I going to do with, with 2 Samuel 11. And uh, uh, my, my wife says, Eddie, you can't fast forward that. That's part of the story. How many have a movie that you, you know, I, I like good movies, I get into movies, action movies and stuff like that, and some movies that uh, I enjoy, they have that bad part, that scene where the, where the guy just loses his, or something happens, and I, and I hate that part of the movie, so I'll fast forward it, uh, and, and, and like my wife says, you can't do that, it's part of the story. I, I remember back when I was a kid, uh, I always loved Superman and Spider-Man uh, growing up, and our Superman was Christopher Reeve. Uh, he played uh, Superman. Uh, the graphics was horrible, and uh, he <laughs> but he was the Superman I grew up with, and and uh, and so there there was there was that one Superman that he uh, for whatever reason he got this idea to give up his superpowers and no longer be Superman because he fell in love with a woman, uh, and, and so and so he goes he goes to a secret hideout in this uh, frozen part of the world. And he gets the crystals from Krypton out. And you remember that? And he's in love with Lois Lane. So he wants to become a, a, a regular dude. And so he, he puts the crystals in and his mother appears, you know, and it's like, son of Karel, what are you doing? If you do this, you become just an ordinary man. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, listen to your mother. Don't do that, Superman. What are you doing? All over a woman. And he does. He gives up his power to be an ordinary man. And he actually goes into town with Lois and he sits at a little diner. He gets into a fight with a guy and his dude beats up Superman. Beats him up, man, and he starts bleeding and he's like, whoa, I've never had that happen. I hated that part of the movie every time it came out. I mean, when that movie came out, I mean, I would circle it in the TV guide. I would say, mom, we got that channel. Yeah, it's on channel, so we get it. And so when it did come on, I hated that part of the movie. I couldn't fast forward it. I had to just walk out of the room and wait until at the end when he got his power back. Then I'd come back in. Well, this is the part of David's life 
that if you're like me, I put myself in the Bible. We've been rooting for David. We've been watching David not throw spears back. I mean, we see him killing the giant at only 15 years old. We see him running for his life and always doing the right thing, passing all the tests, being a man of integrity, being a man of character, being a man after God's own heart. And in here in chapter 11, we all want to just walk out of the room for a little bit because it is a part where David falls into a horrible sin and he's at a very bad place and he commits adultery, he commits murder, he lies, he covers it up. And so for the next two chapters, it is a very awful dark season for David. But as I said, God left that in the Bible because want to relate to us. None of us are perfect and none of our leaders are. And so we're always told to not put our faith in man because man will let us down every time. And also if you did fail or we fall and get ourselves into a position where we don't need to be, there, there's hope. Failure is not final. God still used David and David was able to come out of this. But let's go ahead and get into it. Chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants, which he was the mighty men, he called them his servants, with him, and all of Israel. All, everybody went. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Reba. These were enemies. But look at that last sentence. But David remained at Jerusalem. Before we go any further, this is the problem that David had. You know, before someone falls into sin, and by the way, sin isn't just a hole that we accidentally fall into. Uh, before we get ourselves into trouble, it always begins with our heart. Before something happens on the outside, we usually start falling apart on the inside. Please look, notice that. And so the, before we get any further, the problem was, is David was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because... Now, I don't know why he didn't go. It could be for different reasons, but that is a big red flag right there. You know, I talk a lot about having a pattern of faith. And even during 2020, even during the quarantine and the lockdown, I mean, I was preaching that every week. Continue to do your pattern of faith. And everyone, everyone had to watch on Sundays. I told you to still get up on Sundays and, and get your kids ready for River Kids and get your Bibles out. Why? Because it's important to practice your pattern of faith, even no matter what season you are in. Because whenever you break a pattern, it opens up a door of possibility. Whenever you break a pattern, whether good or bad, it opens up a door of possibility. And so why David stood back, stayed back, I really don't know. Maybe it was because he lost his passion to fight. He lost his passion to battle. That's a scary thing. We're told by Jesus himself in Revelation at the end of the Bible to the end time church, the church of Ephesus. He says that you have not become weary. You have fought well. You have kept all these right doctrines. However, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Interesting. They did not become weary and they weren't tired. They simply left their first love. I just want to throw this in here right now because I think this may be something David was dealing with. See, Jesus didn't say in Revelation, you lost your first love. He said, you left your first love. It's an entirely different thing for me to lose my keys or for me to know where they are and I leave them because I got a new set of keys. And Jesus says in the last days, do not leave your first passion. Beware of that. 
And by the way, what's the opposite of love? It's not hate. Everyone thinks it's hate. It's not hate. In fact, if you, are, if you have hate or anger, you probably still have some care and some love for whatever you're upset about. You're just frustrated that the thing you care about isn't working out. The opposite of love is apathy, when you simply just don't care. I don't know if David is in a season where he just don't care. He just doesn't care. The things of God doesn't excite him no more. The things about leading his army into battle, I don't know what it is. Maybe also, here's another thing. Maybe he's in a season where he's had some victories now. The worst season to be in is not striving to get better and to have victory. It's once you've got the victory. Most people in your Bible, I think of one of the kings, when God says, when I lifted him up and gave him peace, he soon forgot me. I think it was Hezekiah. Israel, when they got blessed and went into the promised land, they forgot the Lord. You see, what the benefit of a season of 2020, as I said, it keeps us pressing in. It keeps us seeking God. It keeps us questioning and asking the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen next? What do I do? But next year, when I believe we're going to come out of this and going to be blessed like we've never seen before, I really believe that because the blessing always comes out of the battle, that's the time when some people will begin to lose it a little bit. So again, there's a lot can be said about this first verse of why David didn't go to battle, but it was the problem. It was the problem that he wasn't uh, excited enough to go out and to get uh, into battle. And so what happened? He got distracted. The Bible says, I'll just tell you what happened. He, he goes out, the next verse says that he came out on his roof one day. He's bored, he's the only one there. And another thing is being idle and being bored. Please listen. The devil tempts every man, but an idle man tempts the devil. I said the devil tempts every man, but an idle man tempts the devil. At 11.30, 12.30, 1.30 in the morning when you're scrolling your feed of Instagram, it's temptation. Will get, nothing good happens after midnight. Can I, can I just say that right now? Can I just say that right now? Well, Lord, I just need discernment. What do I do? It's 12.30. Go to bed. I can't sleep, Pastor Eddie. Start reading Leviticus. I guarantee you. Matthew chapter 1. Begat so-and-so, begat so Verse 7. You're out like a light, man. And so, being idle, being bored, I'm going to talk about this next week, why God gave Adam boundaries. Every man needs to be challenged. What, what is worse about a man, what is the worst thing for a man to have is to be bored. For a Christian to be bored. Pastor Eddie, I want to get involved in church. Listen, until we're able to get involved, you get involved in being a, a street preacher, be a marketplace minister. Go online and preach the Word of God. My dad shares videos every day. Many of you are sharing videos. Do that. Use your opportunity. You know, we, we can't do a lot of things that we're wanting to do, and no one's more upset of that than me. Believe me. But it doesn't mean that the church has to stop and be bored and idle. This is the time we are to arise. Let our voice be heard. Go out and tell our coworkers, our neighbors. Knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, man, can I cut your grass? I don't care what you got to do, man. And by the way, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. I mean, I'm just saying our methods need to change, but our message stays the same. David is bored, so he goes out on the roof. He looks over, and sure enough, there's this beautiful woman taking a bath on the rooftop. We were in Israel. We saw this to this day in the Middle East. It's very common for the rooftops to be a place because it's so hot and warm. The rooftops is a place where they bathe, they lounge, 
some sleep. And so I guarantee you, when you're at a place you're not supposed to be, the devil will make sure he's there. I guarantee that. And David walked out, and I, it's a beautiful woman, of course. And she's taking a bath, and it's so funny, as a youth pastor, I used to have fun with that. Bathsheba was taking a bath. Anyway, he, so he, he, he looks over, and he desired her. And instead of saying, oh, God, get this out of my heart, turn around, going into the room, he begins to look and think and look again, look again, look again, look again. The next thing you know, he calls for her to come over and to be with him. They are intimate. And she goes back home. And a few weeks later or whenever, David thinks no one noticed it. All of a sudden, she comes back with those terrifying words, David, I'm pregnant. Now here's the king of Israel, the giant slayer, the man after God's own heart who never threw back a spear but lived holiness and honored God is now in a dilemma. So he gets this idea and he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have your husband, Uriah, who's fighting our battles for us, who's on the front line, who's, who's in battle. I'm going to call him back to war and I want you guys to, to be intimate and and everyone would just think that's his kid. So he, he brings Uriah back, and he brings him to the house. And, and David actually gets the man drunk. And he says, now you need to go home and, and be, with your, be with your wife. But Uriah is such a man of integrity and character that he followed and was mentored by David when David was on point. That he said, you know what, how can I go back and be with my wife when my, my other army buddies, my other military friends can't be with their wives. And so I'm going to go sleep with them. I'm going to hang out in the barracks and, and I'm not going to go and be with my wife. This fury, this confused David. David was like, oh my gosh, my plan has failed. Bathsheba said he didn't come home. She's texting David real late at night. David's like, <laughs> David's like oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So David, David gets this idea calls in Joab, his commander of the army, and he says, Joab, I want you to put Uriah in the heat of the battle. Put him on the front lines. Joab said, David, he's going to get killed if we do that. David said, just do what you're told. So he goes, he puts Uriah, who was one of David's 33 mighty men, by the way, which makes this even more disparageable. I mean, it's just awful. Sure enough, Uriah is killed in battle. And the Bible says that David waited for Bathsheba to mourn. And when Bathsheba mourned, he then took her as his wife. But before the, uh, he, took his, um, he took Bathsheba as his wife, and everyone thought it was normal. He's like, hey, she's a widow now, so everything is legal. And he seemed to have gotten away with it. But verse 27, at the end of this, it says that he comforted Bathsheba. Look at that last sentence. But this thing that David had done displeased the Lord. One translation says it broke God's heart. It broke God's heart. You know, the whole thing about having a, being a Christian is not about keeping a bunch of rules. It is about having a relationship with God. And so when you look at, you know, it drives me crazy when sometimes Christians say, well, what can I do, what I can't do? Now, if you're a baby Christian, you're trying to find your way through uh, living a life that honors God. You may have some questions. I get that. But most of those questions can be answered in the Word of God as you read and as you develop your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You start to learn the things that God wants us to do and learn the things that pleases Him. 
First Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul said, learn to find out what those things are that are pleasing unto the Lord. I mean, just like you're in a relationship with your wife or your husband, you learn their favorite meal. You learn what they like and what they dislike. If they like the toilet seat left up or toilet seat left down, you find, you find that out. The toilet paper rolls in or the toilet paper rolls out. Amen. You, you begin to, because you have a relationship and you communicate. Come on, I'm being funny with that, but you carry that over into the Christian life. That's the same thing with the Christian life. As you walk with the Holy Spirit, he will guide you and lead you, whether you are to do this, whether you are to go there, whether you are not to go there and not do this. Come on, I need to get some help today, this morning. And so it says it broke the heart of God. David thinks everything is, is over, and he goes on with his life, and then we get to chapter 12 where Pastor Nathan comes to talk with David. See, God gave David a little bit of time to see what David would do, but he didn't repent right away. He just began to carry on. He's got now Bathsheba, his wife, and so God sends Nathan the prophet again to come, and he tells him in chapter 12 a story. And I love it because he, he just didn't go and say, David, you sinned, it's wrong, you, you've ruined everything. No, no. He comes and he tells this elaborate story once again to show the relationship side of how his decision affected that relationship with God. You see, why I don't do certain things and isn't to keep a record of good is because I know it grieves the Spirit of God. You hear me? You've got to get to that place, church, as we live through 2020 in this political, divided, crazy year that we live. It's what to post and what not to post, not because it's correct, but is, is it going to violate and be grieving to my God for me to do that and act that way? Should I, should I do whatever I do our, our, should govern our attitudes and our, our actions is our relationship with God. God is looking for a man that wants to live. The Bible says that his eyes go throughout the earth looking for a man whose heart is toward him. And so, and so Nathan tells this story, and he says, David, David's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And Nathan says, yeah, I got some, got some news for you, but I want to tell you a story. So David's like, okay, it's a little odd, but go for it. Nathan said, David, there was two men that lived in the city. One was very wealthy. One was very poor. The wealthy man had all kinds of flocks. He had sheep. He had money. He had wealth. He had servants. He had everything. But this one little poor family was very poor. They only had enough money to buy one little baby sheep, a baby lamb. And, and they let this lamb grow up as one of their children. In fact, he treated this little lamb like a daughter, he said. He said it would eat at their table. It would sleep in their bed. They, they loved this little lamb. They were poor. They were broke. And that's the only thing that brought joy into the house was this little pet. And one day, uh, a stranger friend came into the city, but he was a friend of the rich man. And he came into the city, and the rich man said, hey, man, i got to provide a meal for you. You're my best friend. But instead of choosing one of the lambs from my many flocks, I'm going to take this one lamb from this poor man, and I'm going to kill it, and I'm going to provide a good meal for my friend. And David is listening to this story, and his anger gets aroused, and he gets upset, and he says, who could do such a thing as surely as the Lord lives, this man's going to pay for it with his life. Nathan said, David, you are that man. And he confronts David. Here, David, I'm sure when he's confronted with his sin, please listen, this is going to be the difference in David's future. Is he going to be a Saul? 
and blame all of his actions on his circumstances and on other people, on the way he was raised, on everything else, or is he going to be the David after God's own heart? When we fail, please listen, this is the most critical time in our life is when we are confronted by the Holy Spirit, either through a preacher, a sermon, a prophet, a prophetic word, the Bible, however, the Holy Spirit confronts us. What we do next will determine our destiny. So God waits. What's David going to do? He takes a step back. He could have simply said, I never wanted this anyway. We're shepherd. We're sheep, shepherd families. We're not from the palace. I was content being on the backside of the woods. I was content with my little sheep. I didn't ask for this. Uh, it's her fault. She's so pretty. What is she doing painting on the rooftop? We have the craziest ways of pointing blame when we're confronted with truth. But what I love about David, he didn't do Saul. David falls to his knees. Immediately, he was always a man that was quick to repent. And he writes Psalm 51, which if I had enough time, I would go through that. It's the most powerful psalm you've ever read. Being a youth pastor for 11 years and a senior pastor for seven, I've had had many youth and adults get into a situation like this, and I've had to come talk to them. And one or two things happen. And I always have them read Psalm 51. Psalm 51, by the, by the way, needs to be, you need to read that sometime. That's what David says in his response. He just cares nothing more than how he has offended God. He's ashamed and he's asking God, please, whatever you do, don't take your spirit. He didn't say, God, don't take my status, don't take my money, don't take my position. He said, please don't take your spirit from me. But he falls to his knees and he repents and says these three words, I have sinned. So we pick it up there in 2 Samuel chapter 12. So he said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan, I love it, immediately says to David, the Lord has already put away your sin. You shall not die. Don't read any further, but right there, that needs to be for all of us. That's why Jesus came to the cross, was to take away our sin. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, that even though we were alienated by our wicked works, God, through the death of Jesus Christ, has brought us to a point where we are perfect and blameless and above reproach. That's good news, that our sins are forgiven. He says... David, God ain't going to take you out because under the Levitical law, even if you were a king, if you committed adultery or murder, but even adultery, you had to be stoned. You would have to be killed. But because David quickly humbled himself, God said, I'm not going to kill this man. Your sin are, is forgiven, but I want you to see this. However, everybody say however. Because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord. So we learn, and the child even actually ends up dying. So we learn a powerful lesson right here that God removed David's sin, but he didn't remove his consequences. That does carry over into the New Testament. That, again, it's, it's something to warn us, and it's also something that, if, that we need to learn and be aware of. If I go rob a bank right now, things aren't that bad. It's not going to happen, but if I did... <laughs> 
If you go rob a bank and you get caught, you know, you may and really repent. And if you're serious, God will forgive you and it's done. It's over. But you know what? You're still going to have to pay that penalty. And you can't stand in front of the judge and go, well, God forgave me. Good. I did not. You, are, you're, it's, you broke the law. Someone has to pay the consequences of that action. And so, unfortunately, the consequences of this sexual sin is then uh, his family and his kids got to deal with this. You'll see this a little bit next week, and, and it really ends up being a, a big thing and a problem that David would have to learn to navigate. He went on, and God used him in a great way, but he would have to navigate his family through this thing and deal with this for the rest of his life. So the consequences is there. But God still used David. And I want you to see this in 2 Samuel. It goes on to say that God even gave David another child. It says that he, he comforted Bathsheba and they had another son and they named him Solomon for the Lord loved him. And God even said to Nathan, remember Nathan came with the bad news. He said, Nathan, I want you to go and I want you to dedicate this new child because this new child that, I'm gonna get, that I gave David is going to be carrying on David's legacy through Solomon. And so Nathan dedicated that baby and renamed him Jedidiah, which means the Lord or beloved of the Lord. That's God's grace. That's God saying, David, I'm going to continue to use you. I'm going to continue to keep your legacy because you did repent. The scripture says that David went on and became great for the Lord thy God was with him. David went on and became great. For the Lord thy God was with him. you got to learn to put your name in that. Eddie went on and became great because the Lord thy God was with him. Melinda went on and became great. Tanya went on and became great. Carissa went on and became great. River of Life went on and became great because the Lord thy God was with him. Come on. I don't care what happens in your life. You've got to learn. I underlined that in my Bible. And I even wrote uh, 09 next to it because 09 was one of those years that we experienced uh, it was like 2020. It was just an awful year. I mean, we've had some bad years. I mean, he's had a bad year. We're all having one right now. Amen. Some of you. And I remember that I read that scripture, and God said, Eddie, I'm still, I, I'm going to bring you out of this season. And so I wrote that down. But I love that. You've got to find yourself in the Word of God. Put your name in there. And I want to just encourage somebody in there. Maybe you did have a failure like David, and you found yourself in a place, and shame and guilt is trying to come over you. I want you to know there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That a righteous man may fall seven times, but he's supposed to get back up. And when you get back up, God's there to say, hey, come on, dust your pants off. Let's get back into it. I still can use you. I still can use my, and push my ministry through your life. So what are some takeaways from this? Real quick, there's three of them. Number one, beware of fatal distractions. Beware of fatal distractions. We all are going to get distracted almost daily. We are distracted. You, you can be distracted by anything, but you cannot allow that distraction to become fatal. You take, you know, if it's a lust thing, there's one, you take a look. It's one thing you look and you notice, you notice someone. David could have noticed that she's pretty. It's one thing to, to, to dress attractive and dress seductive, by the way. But anyway, David could have noticed that she's pretty, and he was like, well, I don't need to be out here, and get back into the house. That's another thing. But you get in trouble when you look a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time, just trying to help us today. And next thing you know, those thoughts get there, and that lust begins. And James chapter 1 says everyone is tempted when that desire is there. And then you're enticed with that desire, 
and brought into sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to sin. It gives birth to death. But we're all distracted. And you can't allow those fatal, those uh, distractions to become fatal. Please listen to me. You can't allow that to happen. And sometimes they come when we're idle and when we're bored. Find something to do with your hands. Please, the Bible says find something to do with your hands uh, unto the Lord. Every, everything you do, find it. Find something to do to uh, further the kingdom. Amen. Secondly, you've got to learn to face our failures. Face our failures. This is the, the so important, critical moment in David's life where he could have blamed, like Saul did, blamed everyone else for his, his sin, but he didn't. He owned up, and he faced, he faced his failures. No excuses. I'm reminded of the prodigal son when he was in the pig pen. He could have simply said, you know, I was the youngest and, and I would have never got the inheritance, so I just got mad at all the rules that dad was putting on. If he wouldn't have been so strict, you know, I mean, he could have had a hundred different reasons that he got himself into the pig pen. But he finds himself in the pig pen when the money is all spent and the party life is coming to an end. And that season of fun is over. The Bible says he ended up in the pig pen. And he looked down and he saw the pigs eating food and said, there's servants at my dad's house have it better than I do. And I'm eating with these pigs. And the Bible says he came to his senses and he said these three words, I have sinned. It's not the way I was raised. It's not America's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. I, I'm the one who sinned. We got to learn to face our failures. When we sin, when you fall, you got to learn to say, God, it is me. I have sinned. It is my fault. I could have went the other way. I could have done something different. I could have went over here on Friday night or Saturday night when I got paid. I could have I simply ran. I could have simply deleted the conversation. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody today. The future of you and your ministry and your children relies on this. I remember taking one of my Bible classes and and uh, they had us talk about th this failure because this happens to ministers way too much more than it needs to. And one of the things they had us do in the class, it says write down all the achievements that God's been able to do in your life. And man, it's a lot that God's been able to do in my life. And I remember writing them down. And then, he, then they said next to you, I want you to see that every one of these will be impacted by your decision. Now write how each one of these will be affected by your decision. And I remember getting to my kids I remember that. It was awful. I hated that class. But I learned to love that class, take a snapshot of that page, and still have it in my book to this day. 23 years later. Why? Because I don't want to be a guy in that kind of a situation. And I say, Holy Spirit, I'm not perfect, but please don't allow me. What does the Bible say? Pray this every day. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. But when you do, and if you do, the quickest way back is to admit your failures. And number three, probably the most important is this. You need to know this, that repentance fuels our fire. You want to get on fire for God? You know what? It's a choice. If you want to get on fire for God, it's a choice. Just like it can be a choice for you to have a passion for anything else. Sports, hunting, shopping, whatever. You have to make a choice to invest time to get to know that sport or that whatever. It's the same thing David wrote. He said, I have chosen the path that you have for me, God. Repentance is a choice where you say, God, I'm going to surrender. The Holy Spirit gives us repentance. Repentance is not just the way into, Christian, into the Christian walk. It is the Christian walk. 
Let me say that again. Repentance isn't just the way into the Christian walk. It is the Christian walk. It is the Christian walk. We are called to live a life of repentance, to live a life of God. Forgive me my sins, my daily sins. The Bible says we are to pray that every day. When you do that, I'm telling you what, man, it's, it's an awesome thing. I love what Peter said in Acts 3. He says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Watch this. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, there's a time of refreshing. There's a season of refreshing that comes over your spirit and comes over your heart when you really get honest with God and you say, forgive me, God, of all of my... There's a, such a blessing that comes over your life. By the end of Psalm 51, when David repented of this horrible sin, he begins to say, he begins to see himself in the future doing ministry. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then I will tell sinners about you and they will be converted. He begins to get that joy back. You want to get your joy back? Come on, you want to get your joy back? Drop that in the chat today. Are you, it's repentance is the key to getting your joy back. It's not an ugly word. It's a beautiful word. It's the gospel message, Jesus' first message. Mark chapter 1, verse 15 says, Jesus came preaching repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's a beautiful word. Let me tell you, there's nothing more joyful than willingly giving everything to God. I can't tell you it's, it's, it's the joy of being a Christian. Your whole life ends up being impacted. You talk about vacationing and sitting around a fire and enjoying Man, when you got peace with God, it makes that experience even funner. You'll be out jet skiing and just be so happy. You'll be out canoeing. You'll be out whatever it is that you like to do. When your heart is right with God and you got the peace of God, you can enjoy life better. You're not living. The enemy has nothing to condemn you on. And if it is something you've already repented over and he tries to condemn you over your past, you need to remind him of your future. Come on, somebody. And you say, devil, that's under the blood. I've been forgiven. I've been washed of my sin. I am clean. I am clean and pure as snow in the eyes of God. That's what the beauty of repentance does. It fuels your fire. You want to get on fire for God? Show me a man or a woman who's on fire for God. I show you someone who was sold out to God. That's the key. I know that's revival preaching. Well, we need revival. We need revival. We need revival. Revival happens when true repentance, when you start going through your house like I did 23 years ago, coming from the streets of Ecorse, being involved in street gangs and violence and alcohol and drugs and in and out of the legal system. When I got saved, I went down into my basement and I said, God, anything down here that's going to offend you, I want to get rid of it. I got rid of all the drugs and, and all the alcohol, poured it out. I said, God, I wanted you to set my heart on fire. Change me from the inside out. I even went through my music. Uh-oh. Pastor, hey, don't go there. I'm about to log out of this. I'm going to that other church. They look so nice over there, that live stream. Don't be live stream hopping. You can't skip over this part of David. If you want to go on and become great for the Lord thy God was with you. If David would have went, you know, God, what I did with Bathsheba, I'm a man. It's 2020. Come on now. You know. I was having problems with my wife. And, you know, man's got needs. God, I'm, you know, I killed that giant. Remember that? Oh. I mean, he could have went any, many different ways. But he said, no, God, I still want to be used by you. I broke your heart, God. Forgive me. And he did. 
David never went on and committed another affair, thank God. He repented. You never read that again. He had some battles, and he went on and totally eliminated the giant race, the giants. Goliath wasn't the only giant. We'll, we'll cover that in the weeks to come. He goes on to lead Israel into victory. He never lost a battle as king. And he's able to hand over the kingdom to his son Solomon. His other kids went crazy. They got into sexual problems. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. And they, they, they just kind of fell off. They learned from that. But Solomon looked at David's life of integrity and he followed it. And God used Solomon to build the temple and carry the legacy on. That's how we need to end. That's what God. I want you to know this. God wants you to make it more than you want to make it. God wants you to be more successful than you want yourself to be successful. And so you did have a problem when you, if you failed or whatever. Listen, God wants you to get back up more than you want to get back up. And David goes on and he becomes great because the Lord thy God was with him. Solomon grew and his kingdom began to grow. And it ends up being a, oh, an awesome story. And I remember getting back involved in David's life just like I came back in and watched Superman. And at the end of the movie, Superman does go back to his fortress. And he gets the crystals back out. And he says, please, one more time, give me the power back. And he gets his superpowers back. And you know what he does? He goes back to that little diner. And there's that bully sitting there. And I'll never forget that line. He goes, well, I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. That was my favorite line from the 80s, man. I stood up, I said, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. And that man, he's got, what you say to me, little pretty boy? And he walks over to Superman, and he thinks he don't have no more power. And he pushes him, and he goes, hmm. Then that music starts. I'm like, oh, yeah. And next thing you know, man, he cleans that guy's clock. And he goes back into the city. And the city's falling apart. And he's got his suit back on. And he's flying through the air. And he says, did you miss me? And they said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm back. And that's an awesome movie. But I can tell you, if you've had a failure, I want you to know it's not final. God still wants to use you. He wants you to get back suited back up and get back into the fight because he's got a plan for you. He's got a ministry for you. He's got a people that you need to touch. Come on, let's stand today. Hallelujah. No matter what this year has brought, and I know many people have, have struggled and, and all kinds of things are happening, spiritual and natural. It's been just one of those years, man. It's going to go down into history. And I know I've, I've been talking with many of you and some of you out of the state area. I'm praying with you and helping you. And I want you to know that God wants you to get back in there. Don't give up. If you don't quit, you win. That's it. David said, okay, it's going to be different from this day forward. But it's still going to go forward. That's a word for somebody. It may be different going forward, but you still need to keep going forward. And David began to go on. And God used him in a mighty way and want to knock that over. So let me close with this now. Holy Spirit, thank you, God, that you left that story in 2 Samuel chapter 11. God, I hated hearing it, but I need to hear it. That no man is perfect. And that there's a real devil out there. There's real temptation. And he's wanting to rip families and marriages and people apart. He's wanting to abort visions and missions and ministry in our young people. 
by getting them tangled up into sexual sin, like pornography and other things. He's trying to get people confused with their identity and get people hooked on substances. God, there's many different traps out there. But God, as you said, where sin abounds, grace does more abound. And God, I'm believing that your grace will just flood into the homes and into the hearts of the people watching and the people here today. That failure is not final. And like David, we can get back up, get back into the race, and finish or allow you to finish the good work you've begun in us. You just need us to be there. And so I pray that in Jesus' name. And listen, if you're watching today, you need to repent and ask God to cleanse you. Or if you're here today, you just simply say, God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I want to get back in there. I want to get back in there. Maybe you had a failure. I want to just pray over you right now. Father, I do pray that, God, that your grace would just be there and empower your people to move forward because you do have a plan for every single person, all of us. This world needs every single one of us. Help us, God, to not be overcome with guilt and shame, but to overcome it through the spirit and promises of your word. I pray that. Let your healing come. Let your healing, your forgiveness, your your healing, your grace, and your mercy come right now. Go ahead, just receive that in Jesus' name. If you really need to receive that, just receive that right now into your heart. In Jesus' name. I receive that. I receive that. I receive that. Put that behind me in Jesus' name. I put that. Maybe you are a victim. You're in a family or a marriage and that's happened. And and you guys are trying to work it out. You're trying to go forward. Or you've had a boss that did something to you. And now it causes you to be be, uh, struggling with every new work. Come on. You need to put that behind you in Jesus' name and move forward. Move forward. God, give them the grace to move forward. You don't want anybody stuck, anyone left behind, but to move forward in faith. Move forward in our marriage. Move forward with our family in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, his promises, and all people.